Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson and Manohar James. Uh, today, we're doing a podcast on called What Does It Mean to Be a Missionary? And uh, Manohar is a missionary. And so I want to give you a chance before we get into it to tell people about who you are and what you do and things like that. Yeah, well, my name is Manohar James, and I was born and raised in India. And... Uh, I wore many ministry hats, like I was a, a professor in a seminary, and then I was a church planter, I was an evangelist, and uh, uh, I came to America for higher studies, and now I travel between India and America. Um, mostly I go to India to train pastors um, who are in the field and uh, sharpen their ministry skills with theology and with uh, other um resources cool 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 cool. yeah um this has been this this podcast has been on my mind for a while now because as i'm 23 and as me and my peers and people my age are growing up and now we're out of high school we're out of college people are starting to go into either they're going to go into the workforce or some people working in the church and then some people are going out to do missions work I've had more questions around, okay, wait, what does it actually mean to be a missionary? Because we got friends who have gone to be part of different missions organizations and have done and have gone to different countries and done things that I don't like. And then there's also some people that are doing things that I think are great. So I thought we should just do a, a podcast on... And I think there's a lot of folks, younger folks in churches that just, they don't have any knowledge about this. Right. They know their church does some kind of international stuff, yeah, right. but they don't have a biblical theology right. or a practical right. understanding of how missions is operated. Yeah. And it seems like there's a bunch of different perspectives on this. Some people are like, they go out and they plant churches and they're there. They like go to China, they plant a church and they're there for the rest of their life. Some people are, they do a two week missions trip, trip where they build a school and they call that missions work. Some people do weird, different, like six months projects. So there's all these different ways of looking at missions work. And I'm one, I guess our question today is going to be, are all of those legitimate? Are none of those legitimate? What does it actually mean to be a missionary? And so I'm going to get started. I guess the best way to, to start this, not either of you can answer this question is, uh, it, like, what does it mean to be a missionary? And like, is that word actually found in the Bible, the word missionary? So let's just start with the Bible. Does the Bible give any teaching on what it means to be a missionary? Or is that kind of a, a newer, obviously it's an English word, but is there any sort of translation there? Yeah, well, uh, the word missions comes from uh, Missio Dei, mission of God. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, it refers to one of the fivefold ministries that we see in Ephesians chapter four: apostles, you know. Um, then you have, uh, yeah, evangelists, teachers, pastors, in um, prophets, right? So, uh, well, um, God sent Jesus as a missionary into this world. I mean, as a missiologist, I would, uh, you know. Uh, come into that position and then and then Jesus tells as the father has sent me so i send you mm-hmm. so sending is what missio day sending out mm-hmm. uh, people right mm-hmm. and this is actually seen in two different ways uh, from the biblical perspective one is uh, centripetal another is centrifugal so one is like old testament model of operating missions and the other one is New Testament uh, way of operating missions. In the Old Testament, God is calling people 
to Israel to look at how God powerful he is, you know. Mm -hmm. Now when it comes to the New Testament, Jesus sending out disciples, go out into the world, Mm -hmm. go out instead of calling to one place, but go out and make disciples of all nations. So that is what missionary. Mm -hmm. It could be like this missionary concept could be part of any one of the fivefold ministry that we see in Ephesians chapter 4. Apostles are those who are sent out, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And pastors are those who are gone and then plant, you know, plant a church and then pastor the church. Mm-hmm. And evangelists, they travel and go and, you know, so mm-hmm. that is, it is all everywhere. Mm-hmm. We see that mission uh, in the areas of ministry in the Bible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is about not just going from one place in the world to the other place. Just the travel, like you're really moving out on a religious purpose, doesn't make someone a missionary <laughs> just because you're traveling uh, as a religious person and doing some religious work. I want to ask a more specific question based off what you just said, because I think, what, what, I guess I'll give my... Because I, th- I think one of the things you're getting at, Andy, is that the word missionary is not used in the Bible. Right. Yeah. And that's I, true. Right. And I think the the word, the apostle that to be sent, that that obviously right. is used is in the mission, Bible. Yeah. And right. so, so listeners may not know this, but the Greek, the word apostle comes yeah. from the Greek word apostolos. Mm-hmm. And the word apostolos in Greek simply means sent. one who is sent. Yeah. Yes. A sent one. Yeah. yeah. And and so you mentioned that Jesus in, in some some essence or some way was, was a missionary yeah. sent by God to the world. And so where I stand right now personally on this is that like Jesus was sent to the world, obviously for the gospel to, to die for our sins and to save us, but also with the purpose of starting the church, like he, he, he mm. planted the church. And so my perspective on, on, on what it means to be a missionary is that it, it means that you go and you plant churches. That's what you're doing. You're planting local churches. So I don't know. And maybe we could start there. I don't know. You guys can kind of take <laughs> this mean, where you, you want. I mean, you put it so simple way that God sent Jesus to plant a church. Well, he said, <laughs> he, he said yeah, he sent him for the primary, uh, pri- I don't know if it'd be primary or secondary, but primary purpose of the gospel and also to right. then plant the church yeah. that would go forward. So, so the Bible nowhere says that in particular. That it, that's what Jesus was sent for or that that's what the Great Commission is. But everywhere where the apostles go and preach the gospel, they do form churches. And they order them sure. in yeah. the in in the New Testament way mm-hmm. so as to um, be healthy and to be able to care for themselves, right? Because the apostle keeps going to a new place. Right. And so what do you leave behind? Like if you go and you preach the gospel right. somewhere and people believe, what do you what are you going to do? Right? Yeah, you leave a group behind. Right. But the assumption right. would be from that that like because the books, the pastoral epistles were written, that the governance, the the church governance and and the way in which these communities should operate and and hold themselves in accountability to each other was in some ways pre predetermined by God because he he was he wrote that through the apostles. Like it seemed to be part right. of the plan. The apostolic the whole time. teaching is yeah. that churches should be planted. I, I think that that's true. Yeah. yeah, I think, you see, this is how I see. The church is a result of evangelism and discipleship. So yeah. church is actually a, a result of it. Mm-hmm. So like you can't simply have uh, evangelism and discipleship and no church. Mm-hmm. It's totally hard. It's almost like almost like a home yeah. is the natural result of a marriage. Right. Like if people, yeah, yeah, two yeah. people get married and then they receive children and then you have babies, right. you've got to do something for the babies mm-hmm. to survive mm-hmm. and for the family. To th- so you, so you make some kind of arrangement for your living and, right. and what right. that's going to be is going to, is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Right. Because 
those kids have certain needs. Yeah. And I, I think that when, when Jesus says, go out and make disciples to the apostles. And then when he, he says in Acts 13, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to, which is to travel and preach apparently. Right. Yeah. But they go to these places and when they travel and preach and people believe they draw crowds well, and then and now what, right? Cause these people are going to keep moving. The, the yeah. sent ones have to keep being sent. Yeah. So what do they leave behind? And they, and so they, what yeah. they determine is they leave behind a way of gathering the people of Christ together. Yeah. And by the time you get to the pastoral epistles, they have a pretty standardized way that they've done it, which is that they appoint elders in every mm. town. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So within a geographical location, mm -hmm. there is a geographically based church. Mm -hmm. And among the people in that church, the helpers of the apostles, oftentimes these teachers and pastors mm -hmm. in Ephesians four come in behind the apostles mm -hmm. to nurture the church. Mm -hmm. And one of the yep. things that they do mm -hmm. that is Titus or Timothy, right? Mm -hmm. Is they appoint elders in every town. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in Titus and Timothy, you get the qualifications for an elder yeah. because that's often yeah, what yeah, Titus yeah. and Timothy and right. people like them were doing yeah. is they were. So, so Paul would come through, he would preach the gospel. He'd gather people together. He might mm -hmm. teach for a while and then mm -hmm. he moves on. Mm -hmm. And so then Timothy, Silas, mm -hmm. Titus comes behind him and says, okay, yeah. guys, let's get together. Yeah. Now we're, we're going to form this thing called right. the church because right. you already are the church. Right. So here's how we do it. Yeah. So I think that the result of gospel missions is going to naturally be churches. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think the question you're asking is should churches like ours be yeah. sending out missionaries whose main purpose isn't to plant churches? Right. Right. The, it's the, to do yeah. something, some other quote, yeah. good in Jesus yeah. name. Yeah. And right. so I'll give an example, uh, not an example, but like kind of connect this to like, okay, right. Like you're saying, what does this have to do with right now um, in what missions work is today? Um, like I know plenty of my friends and people that I knew in college, in the college years are now going and becoming part of missions organizations that go to different countries and they don't plant any churches. They're going there and they're like preaching the gospel and Oftentimes, I think in a watered down way and kind of getting developing these interesting communities, but none of them are being governed or there's no pastors or there's no elders. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of just going with this message and then giving the people the gospel and then leaving and going to a different town. They're not setting anything up for people to grow in discipleship, like you were saying. Some, and, it's some of these organizations are intentionally not doing that, right? It's, not, it's not just right. that the, it's like, well, we just haven't gotten that far yet. It's, yeah. It's like, no, we actually think churches tend to corrupt the yeah. disciple making process right. and so on. Right. Right. And so my, my, my the question, disciple, there's a, there's a movement called the disciple making community movement. Yeah. And oftentimes those people intentionally don't, cause I, I talked to one of these guys and he's like, yeah, we're making these disciple making communities. It's like groups of five and 10 and they just multiply and multiply and mm -hmm. multiply. And I was like, that's fantastic. I was like, right. who is their pastor? Right. Who are the elders? Right. Who does church discipline? Right. And the answer is nobody, no, not, nobody does that. Right. And I was like, well, then do you have a New Testament church? Right. And is that a problem when right. the apostles say you're supposed to appoint elders in every town, for example? Yeah. 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 And, and so, yeah. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, I think we need to understand mission and missions. There are two different things here. Mission yeah. and missions, right? Mission is broad what God is doing in the world. Mm -hmm through evangelism, church planting, you know, all these things. The mission is the holistic. Missions is part of that mission. Like people could go and build houses somewhere in the name of Jesus Christ. and They want to become hands and feet of Jesus. So they do the. Sure. So that is missions. Mm -hmm. So missions is like a kind of yeah. a simple project or something. So now, mm -hmm. again, when you come to 
these organizations who are missions oriented, not mission per se, but they're part of the mission. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are called parachurch organizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Parachurch means yeah. that oh. means you're literally saying they can't exist without the help of the church or mm -hmm. becoming a church at the end somewhere. So that means they have to result somewhere in the church because otherwise no use. It's like, uh, you know. They're representatives of one piece of the body. Ah, right. Okay. So they have to make sure they are, uh, you know, leading the end result to glorify God mm -hmm. by creating an intentional community you know, uh, mm -hmm. that disperses sin, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, gives hope to the communities around them. You know, otherwise we can be individuals and then still you don't know mm -hmm. what God is doing. We are called as a community. Mm -hmm. So so I think even the organizations which are like sending short-term missions and all that, mm -hmm. they are not going independent and just doing something uh, in isolation. They should be part of the local church or the host church. And anything they do, that should help the local church in some way. You see what I'm saying? No, I see what you're saying, but the organizations that I know are not doing. Yes, it. they, I mean, they are well, not part of a local yeah, church, and I they have it. they're running their own organizations, and they're not planting churches. And what happens with that is you probably know is that they go out and they spread a message of Christ, but they don't spread any sort of doctrine. Like there's nothing that anybody really believes. So the in. problem is they don't connect the Great Commission with the church. Correct, they see totally correct. great commission as different thing and the church planting is different. No, no, they are one and the same. It's like uh, uh, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So the great commission results in the church. Yeah. That is what yeah. you see like in 13 epistles in the Bible. They talk about the church management mostly. Mm -hmm. Like how do you manage and how do you nurture and how yeah. do you... I mean, yeah. that's what you see. And then you mm -hmm. see four gospels that talk about great commission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now in between you have book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Right. In between the Great Commission and then the management of the church and then you have Book of Acts, how God is using the skills mm -hmm. of both, yeah, whether yeah. it is from the church, whether it is from these people, like yeah. miracles and you know, preaching mm -hmm. and, and then here discipline and, you know, mm -hmm. following the word of God and praying for one another. I mean, mm -hmm. all these things in the Book of Acts you see. So it is all together is a holistic mission of God yeah. where you can't separate one thing from the other. I mean, Nick can add it in a... Yeah. Better way. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a there's a number of things here. So one is I want to I always want to steel man the argument rather than straw man the argument and say okay because because there's a lot of missions actions that I think are poor quality mm -hmm. or poorly conceived. The question is is my problem with them conceptual or is my problem with them like Correct. like practical and yeah. strategic, right? Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, I and what I don't want to do is criticize something conceptually where my real issue is with it practically. Mm -hmm. So if if there's a, like a young person who's driving across Africa sharing the gospel with people where there aren't churches and they are doing a bad job making disciples. Their gospel is only about God's love. There's no message of sin. Mm. They're not being taught to obey everything Jesus commanded. We're yeah. not trying to get a Bible in their language or trying to help them understand the major stories of the Bible and so on. And we're not creating local churches. Do I think that these people just, quote, aren't missionaries for conceptual reason? Well, not really. No, I would say that they're doing it, just doing it wrong. And I would try to correct them. I'd say, okay, listen— if you're making disciples, that includes teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded, mm -hmm. which means they have to have which a holistic instruction. Which is part of the, the, the Great church. Commission. Right. Jesus literally Right, literally says part of the Great yeah. Commission. Right. So I would say that's got to be your goal and so on, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, also I think when, when you look at the Bible and you see that the Bible does not use the word missionary, right? Mm -hmm. I think that in Ephesians 4, those five ministries 
um, our itinerant ministries, I think those are all what we would now call missionaries. These are people who would go out Mm -hmm. and they did two things. One is they went between the churches that existed because part of the work of these itinerant ministers was to strengthen the churches. Mm -hmm. That is the work of say Barnabas, Mm -hmm. right? So you'd have prophets, evangelists, prophets, and teachers and mm-hmm. pastors going around and strengthening churches that the apostles had planted. But then also these people would go out and do new works, especially the apostles. Mm-hmm. And so your apostles were the mo- probably the most like modern missionaries where they're supposed to go someplace where there isn't something already functioning mm-hmm. and they're trying to break new ground. And that was mm-hmm. Paul's specialty, right? He says in, in Romans chapter 15, I've always wanted to go and preach the gospel in places where there wasn't already a foundation, right? He says mm-hmm. in verse yeah. He says in verse 19 in chapter 15, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Oh, right. And so, so Paul, part of his personal emphasis was he wanted to go where he hadn't preached yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yet there were lots of people kind of functioning behind Paul going to the places where he'd already preached and built up, building up those churches. And they were, they were professionally itinerant ministers and I would call them missionaries too. Mm-hmm. I would say that a mission, the work of missionaries is the itinerant work in the church where you're not locally set in a single mm-hmm. church, but you're going out and going to different places to do different things. So like Manohar's ministry, for example, He's based here some of the time, but then three, four, five months out of the year, he's itinerant. Sometimes that's going to other local churches and teaching them about missions. Right. And sometimes it's going to India and training pastors there, right? Training those, those. And so yeah. Manohar is a missionary, but within that fivefold ministry, he's usually functioning as a teacher now. Right. When yeah. he was younger, he functioned as an apostle. He went to places yeah. where the gospel hadn't been preached, yeah. but as he's grown, he's moved into a different ministry. It's an itinerant ministry. It's a sent ministry. So I would classify him as a missionary, but it's all, but even he, though he's not technically planting churches, right. but he's right always now, connected he's, to a local he church. He is supporting yeah. people who are building local churches yeah. in India. Correct. But yeah. a lot of the money from serving alongside does go to humanitarian things. Yeah. Some yeah. of that is pragmatic yeah. Yeah. because the government of India is very persecutorial towards Christians and yeah. doing good works like that helps yeah. us politically. Yeah. But it's, we also actually literally care about the people that we're helping. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those people are outside the church, but some of those people are inside In the, the church, church yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think I have a problem for like building schools or getting people water. That, that and type in stuff SAI, the local we church. intentionally deliver that through local churches. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we want people to receive those gifts, whether they're Hindu or Christians, through the pastors of local churches mm-hmm. in the local areas in which they could go to the church. Yeah. I, I'm going to give an example because I, I think the frustration that I'm coming to this with was when I was in uh, crew. Do you know what that's like? A, the crew is like a college ministry mm-hmm. thing, uh, parachurch organization. They Their big thing, their their big call was to, uh, to Matthew 28, 19, the, the Great Commission. Uh, and it would say, like, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then they would stop there. And so like for like four or five years, I did not know that there was a comma and then there was another verse. I thought that that was where the verse ended because that's That's what they said. That's not the commission. The commission keeps going. And then it says in verse 20, well, it says comma, verse 20, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm always with you to the end of the age. And I think that when I read the rest of that verse, I kind of got, I felt like I got hit with a baseball bat because I was like, oh, crap missions work isn't just going and just telling people about Jesus and baptizing them. Mm-hmm. Missions work is also teaching them to obey what Jesus has commanded. Mm-hmm. And I need to make 
doctrinal decisions on what that actually means, which is why we have a bunch of different that denominations. That is actually a major thing, actually. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's major, a major thing. thing. And so yeah. I have friends right now that are doing what they call missions work, and they're doing the first half of that verse and that sentence, and they're not doing the second half. They're making no decisions based off. They're not telling people to obey Jesus, and they're making no doctrinal decisions, and they're not building up frameworks for people to think about the Bible and theology of the Bible with so that they can govern their church in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I, that's where my problem with a lot of these organizations lie. And I could name them if we want later, but, or I could do it now, but it doesn't matter. Like the, the point is that there's a lot of young people that are getting bought into this type of mission, what they call missions work, but it's not what you're saying is the whole, that's not the whole missions work. That's not what God is calling us to. What do you do about those people? What do you say to these people? Because they're rejecting half of the Great Commission. Yeah, can I? I, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think. I see what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I think there are some political factors that play into this. Like, um, one is uh, now people from the West cannot be missionaries in different places, you know, because of political restrictions, mm-hmm. but. God calls them to be uh, supportive to missions in, you know, to the locals there. Mm-hmm. So how do you do? Like, can you go and be their church planter and all? No. For example, you think about India. You can only go as a visitor, like a tourist yeah. thing. So how Teacher. much to, uh, right. So how much can you do there um, from the religious point of view, like? missionary point of view. So what they do is they're probably accomplishing the rest of it through the locals. Like, for example, you were talking about this involves this, this involves this. The rest, they can, they want it involved probably and they can't. And then probably they try to make a substitution for it, like using the locals for it. But if the model is wrong, I don't agree with that. If the model itself is wrong, this is only my missionary thing. Mm-hmm. And the rest is not. But the model is wrong in that sense. So, but we can't simply say crew fails in that, probably because of how that can be operated in a particular host country also should be taken into account. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I th- yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the ministries we've talked about that High Point um, supports is Overland Missions, and right, right. I know it's one of the ones you feel this way about. And uh, I had about an hour and a half lunch with one of the couples that serves with them, and I asked them specific questions about this. And and there were some of those kinds of situations that Manohar is talking about, like in Angola, it's illegal to start a church. Hmm, sure. And um, they I mean, same with China, and they're doing it there. I mean, you got to break yeah, the law. Yeah, they're starting yeah. house churches, right? But like yeah. some of those house churches would be similar to what Overland Mission has in villages, like sure. a group of people coming together. Mm-hmm. There's some leadership, but it's not formalized. Mm-hmm. And so the, their, their churches are not legally formalized, but they have gatherings of believers with informal leadership in different places. And so when I talk to them about like, okay, so are you going to start churches? Are you going to plant churches? And they're like, well, like we sure are trying, but right now we're trying to figure out like in Angola, there is a... Um, a consortium of evangelical churches through which they could start churches, mm. but also those churches want you to work with them, mm. but they also have fairly unhealthy leadership. And so, cause in some of these poor countries, being a pastor is actually a step up economically and that can have mm. perverse incentives in the structure of the churches. The church can often grow legalistic because they can often be, some of these leaders can be controlling. And so then now you've got a group of people 20 miles away who have accepted Jesus. Do you add them into one of those churches or do you like 
keep them in their own disciple making community until you can transition it in some way in the country relative to its laws and so on. Especially if you're in, in present negotiation with like the king of that area to mm-hmm. allow for you to formulate new religious communities. Which, right. And for, for Overland missions, a couple of these places, you know, they've been working for five, six, seven years and they feel like they're making progress, but they're really not quite to the place where they can legally create mm-hmm open church entities. And mm-hmm. so from my perspective, like I can accept that yeah. mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Now, if in fact they're just like driving around telling people about Jesus, mm-hmm. not discipling people, then they, they just drive on. You're wasting time. And they just time. hope it happens. <laughs> then, then mm-hmm. yeah, you're creating one of the problems that Africa has suffered with, not just, I mean, not from overland missions. This has mm-hmm. been a hundred year problem yeah. at least yeah. where um, people come into Africa, they mm-hmm. preach a little bit, um, or, mm-hmm. but, but they, there's no, the biggest problem in Africa has mm-hmm. been that there's been no theological education. Mm-hmm. So the pastors right. don't know anything more than the other people yeah. and oftentimes yeah. can't even read. And yeah. so you, right. what you get is what they've said in Africa, that the church becomes a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And but the one thing I can say about Overland missions mm-hmm. is they have, they have been delivering modular seminary to all of their, their uh, their pastors and leaders and missionaries. Well, they so don't they, have pastors. That, that's like not the correct word. They, yeah, yeah yes, but like their mission, the people who are doing their mission work are consistently now taking seminary classes and learning theology, learning New Testament, learning Old Testament, learning some theology. And as and so, my hope is like as that as they mature, they're going to find a way to in the context of places like Angola or Morocco to do the best they can in forming local churches. But in some of these places, they've only got like. Maybe two people who are converted. I think, and they haven't formed a church yeah, yet. You know? I mean, look, I, I, I think that one, they're like, I, I know couples who are at Overland, and they're not learning doctrine. Like, they're not learning to take stances on things that are incredibly important to the, yeah. the to, to to people's faith theologically. Like, what do you yeah. think about like? I think that don't you think that's partly because Overland is a fairly charismatic organization, and, and it's they, also they, not they a focus, local church. They so focus they a lot on power encounters and spirituality and favor among leaders and stuff like that. And and I th- I think that where where you have a highly charismatic ministry like that that doctrine and spir- that kind of spiritual formation often takes a back seat. That's why I'm actually encouraged that the organization is trying to provide seminary level education to their if, if the seminary level education is teaching them to take stances on things cuz that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to like but the other thing that I don't think you didn't mention that by is, taking stances, you mean something like teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. For, yeah. For, for yeah. example, if you're going to go plant a church or if you're going to go help people plant churches and you're in, let, let, let's say what well, I think what, what often naturally happens is that the, the default human condition is to do the thing that's not right. Like that we're to, to generally to just sin or deep by default. Mm-hmm. And so if you go, partner with a church or you go plant a church but you have no doctrine of gender roles and then you have a bunch of women r- running the elder board is that a legitimate church in my my opinion no it's not because that's not what the bible says you I, should have for elders and I so think you actually went to, to the other side of the missionary thing but again uh, coming back to the question you know you remember there are people who are called to sow the seeds there are people who are called to water, some people to prune. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a process. So some of every one of us are called to serve in that. So maybe you go just sow the seed and walk away. And then there may be someone coming and then pouring the water. Because you may not have that opportunity. I'm particularly talking about 
political restricted nations when sure. i think of missions and then there you may not have even opportunity to some, someone just sow the seed and go and then it takes probably five years sometimes it has ha- happened to me once uh, it was a hindu family in kentucky my wife goes for eyebrows there and uh, uh, one day we heard that you know that lady's mother had cancer so we prayed in home and then when we went there and i told uh, i prayed for your mother is she here then oh you prayed for what uh, well um we heard that she has cancer and we just prayed for god's healing over you and then mother came and then i was talking and then this young lady went and worked on the eyebrows of my wife and she returned quickly when i was sharing about god how god did miracles how god raised the dead and then uh, uh, her daughter i mean the one who was doing eyebrows she actually pulled in some facebook post uh, where she read about some miracle and she developed faith on that mm-hmm. and the nobody ever told anything about jesus mm-hmm. so it was there inside and now when i shared this like half an hour to 45 minutes mm-hmm. she comes back and saying i have this already i have been thinking about it and jesus could really heal and her faith comes back mm-hmm. so i led them in prayer uh that that day you know for healing and other things and then i had opportunity to share so yeah. what but at the same time there was another pastor who was going there like a lady pastor for eyebrows and all she was going there for 10 years never shared gospel with them mm-hmm. i mean what i'm saying is somebody already put a seed there now can you pour water or mm-hmm. can you prune if somebody already did some work mm-hmm. so but what we see is we always put ourselves in the reapers area like we feel like we want to reap the harvest man unless yeah. somebody sow the seed For somebody sure. yeah. pour the water and raise mm-hmm. it you, know, you can't do it so i yeah. i don't know maybe missions when i'm talking missions some yeah. of these people are in those areas trying yeah. to make you know yeah I, th- i think what minohar is saying is if you will only do missions if you can do everything from a to z yeah from planting the tree mm-hmm. to picking the fruit right. then that's too much pre-planning Like you, you, sometimes you just got to get out there and try to sh- find a way to share yeah. the gospel. And even if it's, right. even if it starts with something humanitarian. So for example, there's a missionary from high point that has been in Indonesia for a while. And he started by going there with his economics degree mm-hmm. and trying to start a business to um, process dry and sell mangoes that mm-hmm. were just going to waste on the ground and to create jobs for um, Muslim women who had been spending their whole lives just sitting in rock quarries with a hammer, just cracking rocks into gravel mm-hmm. and being paid for that. And so they could, they could work for half a day, make more money than they would make in a whole day breaking rocks. Hmm. And then they had time to come to a Bible study and they also like were healthier, you know, and were more willing to do it. And so they, he started doing a Bible study with them. But like we sent him as a missionary years ago, basically to start a business in this country um to dry mangoes and then later papayas and so it's easy to i think we could you could say nick that's not really missionary work hmm. but he was trying to find a place that was highly muslim that was generally close to the gospel a way to get in where he could really get people's attention and do something and he felt like this was worthwhile i can see a christian who's a bible believer you could look at that and say we're not going to support that Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would correct somebody if they said that. Mm-hmm. I also can see a Christian looking at that and saying, we're going to support that. Mm-hmm. 
and I wouldn't try to correct them. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, it, a lot of it has to do with like, what is your heart? What will you actually do when you're there? Will you really right. have the Bible studies? Does this? Right. Are you finding a way to bring glory to Jesus? Yeah. Um, or are you just like making this business mm. and like hoping they somehow? absorb Jesus through mm-hmm. the penumbras of your right. energy or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I right. want to say that to, to Minohar's point about plant or who plants a seed, who waters, it doesn't matter. I, 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 and I agree with that. I just think God did give us specific guidelines as to how we plant the seed and how we water it. Whoever those planters and waterers are the gospel is like, you can't, you can't like distort the gospel, which is right. planting the seed. Right. And of course, watering is pastoring it's like teaching it's and 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 you can't you can't distort you can't false teach when you're pastoring you have to be within a a local church context where you have elders and so my i guess what i'm trying to say is is that like there can be different people doing these things but they need to be doing it on the basis of the guidelines that were set up in scripture otherwise you're not you're not planting seeds or watering seeds you're just basically bringing a watered down message that god loves you to people who who don't know what that even means and you're not making any decisions for i'll give an example based off of overland missions is that one of the they talk about this in their podcast and i'll link to this podcast in this in this episode that when they go to a different country, for for example, I can't remember what exact country this is, but they'll go to a country and they'll have chiefs and kings in this country. And what they'll tell the chiefs and kings is that God sent me as a prophet like Daniel was to Nebuchadnezzar to basically like, if you want to be on the right, on the good side of God, you have to let me be your prophet. Okay. So in the New Testament, there's nowhere in the New Testament where God says that we should do that. And that seems to me like manipulation in lying, but that's how they'll get in with these chiefs and kings in these different countries. So they then they say that they can spread the gospel through that. But if you're spreading the gospel through a means that is sinful, I don't think you're going to bear fruit. Rather than going to these places and saying, here's the gospel of Christ. Do you believe this? Yes. Okay. If so, then let's set up a church. But they're trying to manipulate and lie their way into it. And I don't think that great things are going to come out of it. Do and that's think, where my frustration is. that you would feel the same way if... Somehow we knew for sure that the person in question was both godly and had a legitimate gift of prophecy. Yeah. Like God had given them the gift of prophecy and the word of knowledge. And you knew that was legitimate. I would, it wasn't like a game or, or like, sure. that, like they persuaded themselves to believe it. I, I, and this, they said, listen, I'm a prophet of yeah. God. Right. And there is this dynamic in the Old Testament yeah. where God will, would give right. insight through a prophet. Yeah. I think I might be able to provide this for you. Yeah. Are you open to that? I would be way more open to that. The problem is that they're just, this is their teaching. This is how they're telling everybody who's going to this country or these places mm-hmm. to do this. So it's like, okay, the chances that everybody going there is all a legitimate prophet yeah. of God is true. And also they're not relating it to the Old Testament. They're saying that we're this continuing, the we're continue, continually yeah, but doing don't, But don't you think that this is an objection to a certain kind of charismatic theology that everybody has the gift of word of knowledge and everybody has the gift of prophecy and that that's presumptive and not what first Corinthians 12 teaches as opposed to the idea that if a legitimate charismatic gift of the spirit is present, it can be used for the aid of unbelievers as a way of bringing glory to God and leading them to faith. Cause I, I would, I would, I would say that I do think if somebody had a prophetic gift, and God opened that door using that prophetic gift in that way would be a positive thing mm-hmm. and they could do it. I think the question is, yeah, cause yeah. I think the thing that, cause I listened to that podcast as well. And my issue with it was the, they're using a fairly low view of modern prophecy 
mm-hmm. as though it was the same as a high, more higher view of prophecy in the Old Testament, where the person is receiving like specific words, words to speak from God that mm-hmm. are that come to them like ecstatically, and they know that mm-hmm. the message is from God, mm-hmm. and that doesn't jive with me for the way they interpret the New Testament. Whereas you have kind of an impression, mm-hmm. your mind creates or receives mm-hmm. something like an image mm-hmm. of something, mm-hmm. and then you kind of share that, and you sort of see what happens. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I if that's a right interpretation of New Testament prophecy, I don't think that's the same thing Daniel was doing. Right. And also, so, that that they did say in the podcast that they won't give negative prophecy. So like correct. if they if they feel like you're sinning and they right. feel like God's saying, oh, hey, Manohar's sinning and I have a prophetic voice to say, hey, you got to stop sinning, they won't do that because it's too negative. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm understanding like, are we not, I don't know, I hope we are not accusing or, you know, anything, passing accusations on, you know, all <laughs> admissions because this may be a little thing of what broader things they're doing. Um, yeah. But at the same time, uh, some of these words they use, um, I, I'm sent as a prophet. Mm-hmm. Probably they're using um, uh, not in the so ontological way, like what we like objectively think of that. Pro- probably they're using those words based on how the other people perceive. Pro- 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 prophets. Prophecy. prophecy. Like sure. that is how they may be seeing things, anything effective. If you don't say anything like, I have come from this high authority and they sure. wouldn't listen yeah. to you. So probably they might be using in that sense. Like, for example, Robert D. Nobley, who went to India in 1500s or so, uh, he actually said, uh, I am a Brahmin from Rome. He's a mm-hmm. white man, Italy, Italian. <laughs> he's, yeah. a, he's you know, you know white skin and all that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Brahmins are the uh, highest caste in India and they have the monopoly on everything. Sure, uh, including but, wisdom and truth spiritually. Right. So if you want to, if you wanted to make some kind of impact in India, you had to Be say like class. I'm a medicine man, or like you had to, you had to mm-hmm. say I'm whatever you're. I'm a doctor, whatever, kind of. Whatever the people mm-hmm. you listen to are, I'm that kind uh, of person. Right. And so he said, I'm a Brahmin and. Yeah, he, so it is. And they almost, were like, okay. Uh, yeah. Then, then they began to listen to him. Oh, you, so you're part of us. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he actually converted, I don't know, several hundreds of Brahmins um, to Jesus. Otherwise, would have not been possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, um, how do we use that? Is it a lie? There are people who can say, oh, he lied. Yeah. Uh, is it ethically correct? And then what about um, Acts chapter 17, where uh, um, Paul tells, I have come to reveal the same God to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not really the same God, but that is how they can grasp in a way. Is that with, is that in Athens? Athens. Yeah, Athens. In, Athens, yeah, there's an inscription to the, the unknown God. Yeah, to the unknown uh, yeah. And I have come to reveal that unknown. I mean, somewhere you can, you can criticize it in one way, like, you know, no, it's not ontologically correct. And at the same time, you say, yeah, 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 right. Otherwise, how would they understand? Mm-hmm. You want to communicate to an ant, uh, you go and talk to ant in an ant's language, yeah. and which is effective. I'm just kind yeah. of assuming yeah. that's what yeah. Overland Mission and is doing. I, I'm not I, sure. I do think, though, like, like before when I read from Romans chapter 15, Paul talks about how he entered into... <laughs> sorry. He entered into these ministries 
in the power of the Holy Spirit and with miracles. Mm-hmm. And that he believed that that was fundamental to the gospel reaching out and striking out in new places where there was no longer, there's, there wasn't a foundation already laid down on. So a ministry like Overland, if they're saying, look, we're in whatever way possible seeking to pursue the reality of miracles or power, God's power going forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I would say that's a very New Testament thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the question, this gets back to the question is, is the objection conceptual or is the conception concern, practical mm. concern? And for me, as I look at that, or I listen to that particular podcast from the Overland leaders, I felt concern. Mm-hmm. Like I felt some practical concern because I was like, ah, mm-hmm. is this the right way to teach word of knowledge? Is that what we're like? Mm-hmm. Like saying like, I well, it could be wrong. Sometimes we are wrong. And, yeah. Or, or, but I, I, what I do appreciate is the desire to you to walk in the power of the spirit, like looking for mm. people of peace, people that God's already working on, seeking to use prophetic gifts where they exist, yeah. seeking to pray for people, mm. for God to do something miraculous so as to show his power as a sign to a group of people in Central Africa and so on. I think that's really good. There's tons yeah. of missionaries we send out yeah. that don't do that. So, yeah. So yeah. like, and so yeah. in any missions organization, there are going to be things where we're going to be like, well, we need to clean this up. You know, <laughs> right. and, and maybe there's a low view of sin. Like a, a lot of charismatics right now mm. of all stripes just has seemed to have a pretty low view of sin. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's too mm-hmm. bad. And, or a high view of self. I mean, one of the, like, like that yeah. they've overcome. Or maybe, sin. or maybe an undifferentiated view of the love of God. Like the love of sure. God just means how, whatever you think love is yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, right. yeah. And I think that that can be the case. I also, how I also, however, think mm-hmm. that man, if they sat around and criticized us, they might be like, you know, Nick is just always talking about what's wrong with everything, but he, you know, like going out, finding new people, breaking new ground, talking to people he hasn't talked to before. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff that's fundamental to missionary work. He doesn't even do. Well, and the, but the, yeah. Jesus says to go make disciples and right. to go yeah. and make mm-hmm. disciples. Yeah. And like that, that criticism would be very fair of me. And so I, I want to be open to good criticism and offer yeah. it where I think I know enough about what's going on to offer it. And wouldn't you, you know? say that the conceptual and the practical are kind of like a Venn diagram where there's a, there's mm-hmm. an overlapping in which like when sure. you have a concept, or I don't know if you, like the economic concept of, of capitalism only is valid when put into play in the practical lives of individuals. And yeah. so like theologically that's just, that's similar. I think like missions work is, is, and planting churches and going out and being sent out, I feel like is the combination of the conceptual work of theology and our understanding of theology and the practical work of theology mm-hmm. and our like how we live that out in real in real life. Because yeah. you're making decisions, you're making okay, how are we going to run this church? How are we going to preach personally, the gospel? Personally, personally, I'm way more concerned about the the missionaries that are going out that seem to be only doing very specific and narrow humanitarian actions that can be done mm. without mentioning Jesus at all. Yeah. Like Overland missions, yeah. like are they a little too charismatic or are they not? Are they, are they building local churches at the rate we'd like? Are they, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Really but it seems like they're going out and making Jesus the issue among people. And I like that. And I like the, seeking the power of the Holy spirit. And I like the initiating with new people. There's a lot of missionaries that once they're on the field for a couple of years, they just don't even, they're not even really initiating with new people anymore. And so I, so Overland missions to the extent to which it, some things might be messy is the kind of mess I can live with for now. And I want to, I want to encourage them maybe towards certain things, but, but I also don't want to be like, Hey, listen, if you're willing to go out there and do that, that's really good. Mm -hmm. What I struggle with is like the ministry that like creates after school programs for girls in Laos 
and tells them about self-esteem hmm. that's supported by like the United Methodist Church. Yeah. And Jesus is literally never talked about. Mm-hmm. And that's quote missions. And I, see, that's where I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that is a humanitarian action. Yeah. It's, and maybe it can come through an NGO, right. but like, let's not pretend that that is Christian missions. It's not the mm-hmm. mission of the church. I, I do want to make one distinction based on what Manohar said earlier for people relative to missions. Manohar quoted the Latin phrase, the missio dei, which is mm-hmm. the mission of God. Mm-hmm. And that phrase is used in missions. But it's also a very, it's also the most general statement. Mm. So the mission of God is literally everything God wants to do and everything God is doing. He has not given all of the things he is doing to the church to do. The church is a subset. So within theology, there is the missio ecclesia or the mission of the church. Mm. The mission of the church is a very small subset when compared to the missio dei. The reason this is important is the mission of the church is literally what we were commissioned to do which sure. is to yeah. go and make disciples of all nations, yeah. right? Now, included in that is the objection of James to say, as we do it, we should not forget the poor. Mm. There are there are some basic humanitarian acts of care for the poor that if you're moving among people, you mm. can't pretend that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. But yeah. Our, the missio ecclesia, the mission of the church, is to go and make disciples mm. through the gospel of the cross, and then through it, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, which is the missio Dei, the mission of God is bigger than the mission of the church. God is doing things mm. that is, are not the church's job. Yep. Not yeah, everything yeah. God is doing is yeah. the church's job. Yeah. One example of where I think this can go awry is when Christians get really focused on say environmentalism. And then they'll say, well, well, isn't nature, isn't the environment part of what God cares about? And isn't God redeeming all things? And so isn't like redeeming our environment part of the quote, mission of God, the Missio Dei? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. In the broadest sense, in God's eyes, redeeming all things is part of his greater mission. And so therefore environmentalism falls under the Missio Dei. But the question is, is it part of the Missio Ecclesia? Mm -hmm. Has he commissioned the church Mm -hmm. to be a body of active environmentalists? And the answer is No. Mm -hmm. Now, Christians who have varying vocations in the world and are also citizens and voters and maybe conservationists, Mm -hmm. can they act towards the good of the environment through the state or through personal action as part of what they see as the greater Missio Dei or mission of God? Yes. But should they go to their church and say, listen, our church should have a like climate campaign and we need to like work to, and I would say the answer is no to that. (laughs) That is not part of the Missio Ecclesia. It's part of the Missio Dei. So I think in that sense, we do want to have our missions programs in our churches connected primarily, I would say predominantly, if not exclusively to the Missio Ecclesia. What is the mission of the church, which is the great commission. And then as the great commission works out into people, they will then do other works of God. Right because of their vocations and callings and bringing yeah. justice and hopefully environmentalism and conservation as part of the Missio Dei, because they're, tr- they're re-embracing the, not the great commission, mm. but the creation mandate. Yeah. They go all the yeah. way back to Genesis yeah. one and they start doing again what they were created to do in the first place, mm. which is to redeem all things and to care for all of creation. And then they will in the Missio Dei, they will be environmentalists mm. in the, in the best well, sense of that word. Sure. Whereas the church, the local church will be engaging in the Missio Ecclesia. Right. The Great Commission. And you could break that down into the fivefold in some ways, like the, the church being the, it's... the... Those five are the main itinerant ministries of the church. Right. Yeah, they work among yeah, the local yeah, yeah. churches. And then the yeah. local churches, you'll have elders leading the church and caring for it on the local level. Correct. Yeah. And missionaries at some... And missionaries will, when they reach new peoples, they will gather those people to be shepherded 
mm-hmm. and when they do so, they will be creating local churches. Yeah, and they should. In in the biblical method, is to appoint elders. Yes. Yeah. So I do think missions, when people are doing missions in that sense, the result should ultimately be the creation of local churches, yeah. but it may not be their immediate action in every case. And I, I, I would agree with Manohar in that case. Yeah. So sometimes people will be evangelists or apostles or prophets, mm-hmm. and they will do that like preliminary mm-hmm. work. Yeah. And then the teachers and pastors will come behind them mm-hmm. and try to help formulate and organize those groups into lasting institutions. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he put it in a better way than I did. And IJM, you know, is one example mm-hmm. when I heard one of those leaders coming and saying, mm-hmm. like, evangelism is not their primary focus, not even secondary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, when I ask them, what do you do? And then, well, if they are interested in and then they approach us to talk about spirituality, we are open it. But that is not their primary focus. Mm-hmm. So like church's mission should always have the goal of introducing God, introducing Jesus, talking about Jesus, and ultimately, you know, the, I wouldn't use a penny from SAI for humanitarian work if that does not concern eternity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So eternity mm-hmm. is part of it. I mean, well, yeah. we 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 want to help humanitarian, you know? yeah, yeah. But if mm-hmm. that doesn't, uh, you know, bring glory to God, mm-hmm. what if they will say, you know, it is my God who has provided this to me? <laughs> what mm-hmm. do you, they give to Satan glory? You know, right, like if you right. don't talk about who has given this who to did you. It? Yeah, yeah, who did it? Yeah, who did it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually delivering the check. Check yeah. is not mine. I'm not writing the check. Yeah. It is God is writing the check and I'm just delivering it. Yeah. I think Christians also way overblow the New Testament claim that we should be caring for others who are not believers. Mm. The vast majority of contexts in the New Testament in which we're called to care for the poor or those in prison or whatever is believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they are our family and we have a direct relationship to them in terms of their physical care. Mm-hmm. And there is very little in the New Testament about our responsibility to people who aren't believers. Mm-hmm. Um, even the sheep and the goats, most of the early interpreters understood the sheep and goats, the people who were like Jesus, like that was me, mm-hmm. that these were other believers mm-hmm. who were the least of these. Yep. And also like um, the, the apostle Paul says, look, do, do all the good you can to everybody, but especially in starting with those in the family of believers that as, as believers, our humanitarian responsibility is first and foremost to our that's what biblical. That's what the early right. church has done. They actually right. care for their own poor yeah. within the community of the church. Yeah. Now, practically speaking, when you read the early documents for like from Pliny the Younger, who was a Roman statesman, he said one of the things they hated about the Christians. He said they take care of all of their own poor and ours too. Mm. So from the very beginning, once the Christians took care of everybody who was a believer, they also took care of other poor people who weren't believers. And that's always been the case. So I'm not saying that Christians should not take care of the poor generally and care about the poor generally, but the biblical commands are for us to take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are poor first. That's one of the reasons why when when Christians like us send money to Christians in India, and we don't take care of non-Christians in our own city, people like, well, there's poor people here. It's like, well, but in God's name, Actually, these Christians in India are my closer brothers and sisters and my more immediate moral responsibility than even the poor in my city who are not Christians. Because part of the issue is, is that people want to believe that the poor or people who don't believe or whatever, that they automatically deserve every grace of God. And the message God is trying to say is, no, that's not true. 
you, if you call to me, mm. if you turn to me, mm. if you walk with me, then I put my garment over you. I mm. ca- I will cover you, care for you and help you. Mm. But, I, but as you reject me and are violent against me and you, you reject everything about me and then you turn and demand that I take care of you either in your poverty or in your need. Mm-hmm. That is not my responsibility. And I usually will not do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a hard truth for some people to accept, but people who do not belong yeah. to God are not entitled to the wealth of God yeah. to help them. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I know that that's hard for people to accept, but, but no family is supposed to take care of you that you don't belong to. Yeah. When you become right. part of the family Absolutely. of God, the family of God is responsible for you. Care, yeah. But if you are not part of the family of God, yeah. then the family of God is not responsible for you. Even though we might take care of our neighbors, yeah. mm-hmm. our responsibility to our neighbors is not as strong as our responsibility to our family, Yeah, which comes profoundly first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I, I think... Maybe to wrap wrap it up, we could. You got. I don't know if you guys have this, so I'm putting you on the spot. But is there any sort of like pr- like uh, purity test or proof like test that you that people could take themselves through if they one are wanting to join an organization and go do missions work themselves, or if they're going to give to to missions work? Like like what should these people be practicing, and what what should we give to as Christians slash what should we actually be participating in as it relates to missions work? Yeah, I think Nick could add on most of that, but uh, uh, a few things that I could point out to is um, probably they should look at the organizations, how um, how doctrinally they are, like whether they are mission-minded in a sense, not just you know humanitarian, but are they concerned with eternity? Like, you know, they are gospel oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are like great commission oriented. And uh, whether they have a local church connections, uh, they need to look at that. If you, if some organizations that send money from here to some um, somebody in different nation without uh, any connection with the local body, um, I am cautious about it because, you know, uh, your money, you're sending it, not just to give to somebody you know because they can have a, a house or in a car or, I mean great you could do that but you're doing that because you want to see them also in eternity with you you know so that eternity concerns me so there are many organizations who are not gospel oriented not kingdom oriented not great commission oriented that is where I have the problem mm-hmm. you know yes Nick you can go on what, yeah I think that that's true I yeah. think um, I think when possible, you want a strong relationship with the indigenous church, the native Christians in that area, yeah. and to therefore not have a patronage relationship where you're just like saying, well, I'm going to come. And I mean, obviously people connect that to colonialism and whiteness and whatever, but I th- there just are just practical considerations in the country of what will really help that, ch- that church grow and yeah. the people in yeah. that church evangelize. Yeah. Right. And especially when there's language barriers, it is so, so difficult yeah. For somebody like me to train yeah. in like yeah. mm-hmm. like Tamil Nadu in, mm-hmm. in like the native language there, and then really, I mean, it's be, it'd be a decade at least before I was capable of that yeah. language there, and I'd never speak it right. Yeah. So what, that's what it is like. For example, the ministry we do in India, Manohar and I, is we go and we train local pastors in India who don't have training, yeah. and we 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 look for a need that yeah. they think is a need. So like when mm-hmm. we go to India, we don't we don't have to do anything to get these pastors to come. They mm-hmm. want to come. Mm-hmm. They're begging for this training. So it's a it's a felt need that they have that they know they need in the country. And I think sometimes people will come here and they'll be like, well, we know what those people need. Mm-hmm. And they'll come up with their own humanitarian or, right, or transfer right, and then they'll right. want to put it on them. And 
just re- you read books like Toxic Charity or Charity Detox, mm. where we're like so much of our helping hurts mm. people, both charity wise, but also gospel wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We yeah. give people training that doesn't help them. Mm. So many Indian pastors are totally overwhelmed mentally with wanting to be like American fundamentalist pastors mm. because that's who a lot of the missionaries were. And just even down to the clothes they wear, they feel like they have to wear ties yeah. out in like 120 degree temperatures <laughs> and like they'll only dress in white and they think that right. that's like, that's really important. And, huh. and you're like, where'd you get this stuff? And, yeah. it, and it's like, well, that's they the think their church buildings have to have like spired roofs, really? which, which that's a European thing because there's yeah. snow in Europe. Yeah. Like if yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. have hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pounds of snow right. on your roof, having it pitched yeah. is great. Now you can say, well, it also points up to heaven. Right. But the reason we came up with that roof right. was to, so right. the roof wouldn't cave in when the winter yeah. came. So in India, instead of like taking over a defunct Hindu temple that's spread out horizontally with a flat roof yeah. and saying, we're just going to make this a church. They're like, well, the architecture is all wrong. Yeah. Well, but it isn't. I mean, who cares? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. So I think, I think like, so I, what I encourage is Manohar teaches a class called yeah. perspectives and a lot of churches will do that. And it's like, it's like $450 to take it. It's like a college course, oh, wow. but man, I would really encourage people who care about missions, who want to be involved in the global mandate, take that class somewhere or at least buy the perspectives reader and read the 600 page reader. Where do you and, do that? And you'll be Where doing, do you buy that? How do you I think you, you can yeah, Amazon. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah you can buy it on Amazon, but at the same time, you have perspectives.org, uh, okay. the website okay. that yeah. you can look for where the classes are each year. And it's, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, six months long or I don't know. more. Yeah. People are usually interested in the global mandate before they know anything about how to do anything yeah. helpful. And so once it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like parenting. You're just kind of like, well, I love kids. You're like, great. Okay. Let's get some, you got to get a little knowledge about what kids are and how they function, how they develop, how they grow. And then you'll be helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true for missions. There's so many people, no, I never have lunch day where he's just like, you know, so many people want to go to India because it's exotic. It's different. They want to be involved in missions. They don't understand the BJP government, how, how different kinds of persecution happens, how prices have changed over the last 20 years, how pastors make their living, how travel happens in different seasons of the year, what things like, there's all these like basic knowledge of India kind of thing. And and frankly, India is a big country. So depending on where you are in India, it changes. I've been to India maybe seven times Mm -hmm. more. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm I'm barely getting a handle on it. I mean, Ohar is like saying, yeah, I just kind of just am feeling comfortable with you knowing what's going on. Yeah. And so part of missions is learning about missions, learning about other cultures, learning about how the gospel goes in other cultures. And it just, it does take some time, but it's worth it. And it's interesting. Yeah. And it's worth, it's really worth doing. And it's, I mean, don't just go for vacation. I mean, like Mm -hmm. sometimes people are going because it's just a cool place and they want to go there. Obviously, probably not for some of the more hardcore countries. I think some, I think sometimes... Uh, a missions quote vacation that's like a vision trip where you're not going to do a lot of ministry you're when you're there. Things out and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. basically yeah. people are showing you the country. Yeah, you're learning yeah. about it. You might not do yeah. quote missions work, but you're like learning what you need to know to go back to your yeah. church and if support a mission like this. Right. Yeah, and I think spending a couple thousand dollars, three thousand yeah. dollars on somebody getting that kind of experience mm-hmm. is worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, totally. I mean, I would yeah. encourage like a twenty-something who's like, well, I mean, I don't know if I can do ministry in India. Mm-hmm. I don't speak any languages, but if you can go on a trip right. and just learn and watch mm-hmm. for a week. Yeah. Man, that'll it'll change your life. Yeah, you know? yeah. And also, I think uh, I would encourage people to talk to a real missionary. 
yeah, mm-hmm. already who has been on the mission field for a while and experienced, not just get on to someone who is already curious about missions and discuss, but someone who is already experienced. Like last time I was uh, highlighting about Carl and Barb Sherbeck's mm-hmm. 40 okay. years, you know. Like, in the UAE. Yeah, in yeah. UAE. So uh, like that kind of people, just go and talk to them. And <sighs> you know, then you get a real feel rather than reading a bunch of uh, resources on website and and then, you know, right. like, yeah, I decide this mission to be a good mission. So yeah. they have a ECFA certification or this. Yeah. Certification don't mean anything. You go and find yeah. out what God wants you to do. Find out if they are like mission oriented, God, God's kingdom oriented and truly faithful to the gospel and great commission. Man, that is where money should go to, not just because of certificates. Yeah, yeah. it is. I think it can be really hard. To figure out where to give your money in missions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I sit on the board of a couple of things. The main mm-hmm. one I spend the majority of my time is serving alongside India with Manohar, where we, we connect with Redeem, the ministry Redeem India. And I can really see, I can see the finances. Mm-hmm. I can see what's happening. I think smaller organizations like Redeem India that have smaller budgets, they know exactly who they're working with, yeah. are, tend to be very energetic and they tend to use money really well. Better, yeah. Um, but I, but it's still, it's still really hard because, you know, missionaries get on the field and after a while you just kind of get beat up. And I had a friend who went and became a missionary in Mumbai. He was there about six years and then he, he fired himself because hmm, right. he was like, look, I'm not doing the stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying living in India. I like living in India. I'm making YouTube videos and stuff. And I like, <laughs> yeah. I have for Indian friends, but I'm not doing ministry mm-hmm. and having people give me monthly support for this isn't right. And he said he knew about 12 other Western missionaries in Mumbai personally and he said, I would have fired all of them because they just, they weren't doing it anymore. Yeah. And they, they were people who came with a lot of passion Yeah, and they had convinced themselves it was still worth doing, mm-hmm. but they weren't actually going out and doing anything. Mm-hmm. And that's human nature. It's hard to do sales no. when everybody says no, right. even in the power of God. So I think that's another thing that's really hard is like, I think churches need to let missionaries mm-hmm. come home. Mm-hmm. No. Like if you're a missionary and like, you've just had it, it's, it's okay to just come home. No. You know what? You know, it's fine. Yeah. We'll reappropriate that money somewhere else. Right. And you're, you can get a job and you can yeah. start supporting missions financially. Like all of us as a sender right. and it's totally fine. And I don't think we should treat those people like they're, they're failures or quitters. Yeah. I think that like, Trump. and sometimes God right. uses that season. There are people in high point church that were missionaries for like, say five years mm-hmm. and they came home and they felt like failures, but they're like the best missions team people you can possibly imagine because yep. they understand missions. They yep. know how missionaries on the field feel. They yep. know the discouragements. Mm-hmm. They know how to read letters and stuff yeah, like that yeah. and they become incredible assets to the church and I, listen i'm i'm fine with that yeah you know yeah yeah i mean and maybe that wasn't the right time for that city or that area to hear the gospel yeah. i mean maybe yeah. just a different time it's never in god's eyes it's never a waste my my first pastor in high school his name was mark Macia, and he went, went wanted to go to bosnia like just a little bit after the genocides there oh. and they were in bosnia for five years yeah and he worked hard yeah. and then he came home yeah. He decided that, that he had run his course. Mm-hmm. He had done some good ministry, but it was time to come home. And so he did. And he's pastored ever since at a church in, I think, South Carolina or something. Mm-hmm. And he just, he did, but, but being a missionary in Bosnia changed him as a pastor forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he came home, he was a different, and I think a lot better pastor and father mm-hmm. and international man. And so, so I just feel like those, those experiences aren't wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they're not, no. even if you're yeah. not in the field for 40 years. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think, I mean, we can wrap this up. I think, um, all the things that you guys said are good. They're, they're good, um, purity tests and things like that. And I think, um, 
just as I think about people in my generation, I hope that this is helpful for them because mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are are seeking out like ways that they can be helpful in the kingdom of God and sometimes can get caught up in things that just aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. And like the desire is good, but you got to couple that with an actual action plan that can be, that could be useful and, and helpful to people. Yeah. I guess so. I would summarize it in this, in these three ways for our, for our um, listeners. One is the great commission includes and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Yeah. You have to believe in the whole of the great commission. And I think supporting missions that believe that is, is really important. Right. Mm. The second is we have been given this commission and we can't do nothing. And so just criticizing groups of people who are doing stuff is not good enough. Right. We, mm. we, we've, we're good. We need to sacrificially give. We need to find people we yeah. can give to. And even if the, what they're doing is chaotic and immature in certain ways, but they're getting out there and doing it. I, my, my gut is I stick with them for a while and see how they mature. And mm. so I see, want to see what happens. Um, and then I think third is, is that um, for a lot of us investing in theological education and like empowering local churches and indigenous churches has to be a big part of what we're doing mm-hmm. because we want the most effective missionaries are people from the local the countries. People, yeah. mm-hmm. And so I think um, making sure that that's a significant part of your missions program, I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. You have anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Yeah. Well, uh, if young people are looking to become missionaries and I think they need to test their calling uh, see whether they are emotionally moved because they heard a bunch of stories or really God God is calling them. Mm-hmm. If God really calls them, he makes a way for them and he shows the right organizations to join and they will end up in right resources, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I encourage them to pray, you know, meet yeah. with godly people and then seek some godly advice even before um, jumping on to missionary venture and all that. So, Okay, sorry, you guys, this reminds me of something that as, as a hobby horse of mine that this brings up is um, if you think you want to be a missionary and everybody's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't trust that. You should be able to find a ministry that will test your calling that mm. doesn't just blow hot air up your butt and be like, oh, that's so great that you want to go to the mission field. Like you need training. You need to go through psychological evaluation. Mm-hmm. You probably need to go to a counselor to deal with some of your crap before you go out onto the <laughs> mission field so that you're not emotionally abusing people because of all of your passion for Jesus. Mm. Like you pr- probably need to like get a, get like a base of theological education, not a seminary degree, but like more than you got like in a crew or like, yeah. like crew can yeah. only give you so much in four years and, right. and they do a pretty good job trying to disciple people but like there's probably a six months worth of study that you really need to do before you go intensive yeah yeah and sometimes you're better off under a pastor who doubts Mm. whether or not you're called to the mission field than the person who's like oh absolutely if you're passionate about it i have said no to more i say no to more people than i say yes to and i want to send people to mission field but when i see somebody who i know is going to implode i don't i don't just go oh fantastic and almost and virtually every single person i've said no to has either come back and thanked me or they've imploded on the mission field. Mm-hmm. And the, the people that we send seem to do well. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's really important. If you're a young person, you're excited about missions, don't just listen to the people who are mm-hmm. patting you on the back. Saying, yeah. They are not going to the mission yep. field. It's not their kids that are going to grow up in that situation. It's not their wife or husband mm-hmm. that's going to have to deal with your shortcomings in a foreign situation. And you need to talk to somebody who's going to talk like brass tacks about the real world, mm-hmm. but who also has real faith mm-hmm. about you going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, don't just read the wrong romanticized 
mission stories. R- read about missionaries of the past, mm-hmm. uh, people who have risked their lives to bring the gospel to places. And that should, I think that that should be one, on the forefront of somebody's mind. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go become a missionary, I could potentially die. And yeah, that's yeah. what this is all, all uh, there about. There were people who actually told me, like, I really want to go like years together. Then I sat with them and I told that, you know, probably you could, could be killed, you know, for the, then, you know, after a while, they called me and said, Manohar, I don't think God is calling me to go to India. <laughs> I, was like, I was four years, they wanted to go to India. And then yeah. when they hear that their yeah. life is at risk, and yeah. then they immediately said, you know, no, yeah. I think some emotions, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've had people in our network in India. We had a guy who was sleeping on his front porch and Hindu extremists came and set him on fire. Really? Yeah. I mean, that stuff yeah. really happens. Yeah. I mean, I, when I haven't been there yet where I felt like I was in danger, but could they do, They also don't put my name or my picture on anything yep. anymore. But when, like 10, 15 years ago, when I first went, they would put my name on stuff, put a big picture of white Nick on the sign with Manohar about who's speaking. No, you, no, you can't put it. But they just, they don't do that anymore. Sometimes yeah. my name will be on something, but never my picture. Yeah. And in and, and India. Because it's dangerous. Because somebody yeah. would be like, oh, yeah. screw this guy, white right, guy. Coming right. And it's not, it's not even just me. It's like, they might hurt the pastors that come to the event I'm speaking at too. Yeah. And so, but, but it, that's a real thing. And yet the gospel moves forward it goes on people find their backbone and they do it but so it's it's, so i don't like i don't i i don't look at a young person who's like i'm ready to die for jesus and be like no you're not but like Hmm. i do take a person like that and say okay let's let's figure out if that's true because sometimes Hmm. sometimes even their desire to go be a martyr is flowing from a personal insecurity and wound from a parent and not just the pure just love of jesus or usually the two are intermingled yeah so you want to maximize that passion for jesus and then help them heal from that wound Mm. so that they're just in a better place yeah you know because otherwise man they go to the mission field and their marriage falls apart and like terrible things happen and Mm. and we don't like to talk about that in front of the whole church and be like well you know another missionary couple imploded but being a missionary is very hard yeah it's hard to live cross-culturally in a place that's not your home right you know, on the other side, you know, I actually came across someone who said, I want to go to Japan mm-hmm. as a missionary. And then why? And he wants to be martyred there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you are actually going, you are fantasizing <laughs> yourself, like, you know, getting martyred yeah. Yeah. for Jesus would be yeah. kind of heaven opening up mm-hmm. to receive you with the heavy garlands. You see, sometimes you have the other side, extreme mm-hmm. other side, like, oh, I'm ready right. to die, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, at one point I told Nick, I don't know, several years ago, um, Nick, I'm ready to die. Then he said, Manoa, we're spending thousands of dollars on you. We don't want to waste that money. <laughs> we want you to live and work, yeah. man. I mean, that was yeah. that was hurtful, that moment. But yeah. afterwards, I began to think so much. Yeah, he's right. You need to yeah. fight to live, right. to do much better Yeah, for the calling yeah. you have. I, mean, I, I, I would never say to Manohar, if, if they're going to kill you, just don't die well. Right. You know I mean? like, yeah. But like, he's a multi-million dollar asset. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, to have somebody who can stand between four different sub-Indian cultures, yeah. speak their languages, be fully Americanized to understand what's happening here, having a PhD from a major institution here, mm-hmm. like, he's like a, he's like 150 million people. Yeah. He's a multi-million dollar asset. Like, we're not trying to get him killed. Right. <laughs> right. But I mean, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. But like, that's yeah. our goal is to utilize him for as much fruit mm-hmm. as possible. And, yeah. and what that means is we're, we actually aren't going to dump him into the hottest situations that there are because he's a super high asset. Yeah. You know, and yeah. in some ways that's sad because I know Manohar would be glad to preach in those situations. Yeah. But 
the brothers who do preach in those situations, they don't want Manohar to go into those situations because they want to go to the seminars and learn from mm, what only from Manohar the, can teach yeah, them. And who, right, Manohar's right, the only person right. willing to go find them and teach yeah. them. And so they're like, they're like, sir, don't, don't come here. We, yeah. we need you safe mm. so we can learn from you so that we can go preach the gospel in these places. Right. And so it seems it, like all the apostles who were killed in spreading the gospel, it doesn't seem like they were at least from what I could tell, maybe I'm wrong about this, that they were like happy that they're like yeah. getting killed. I'm sure right. that they were like, dang it, I could be doing, I could have done even more. Like, you right. know, like right. I could have done even more. Why, it just happened why did I get way. killed? Yeah. And, but then on the contrary, they were not willing to apostatize or, or give up the faith. Mm-hmm. And so they're yeah. like, ah, if you're, I'm going to die, I'm going to die faithful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're like wanting to die, yeah. And missionary you, you should get counseling. Yeah. And <laughs> it's counseling. Well, I mean, I, I think it's okay to desire. Martyrdom. I think it's okay to desire martyrdom. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. But it's not okay to seek it. Seek it out. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a fantasizing, you know, like right. they're actually having a kind of a crown of appreciation yeah. in their head from yeah. God. Right. I mean, they're fantasizing, like, I'm going to be a hero of faith. I mean, no, no, you're yeah. actually just opposite. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, like when yeah. I think about yeah. defending other people, I have a quote fantasy in my head about like, defending some woman and her child in an alley that some guy Mm, is going to beat them to death or rape her. And I will shoot and kill that guy. And like in my mind, like that I would act protectively in such a way as to defend somebody is a positive fantasy. But if I go then looking for Mm, violence, that's then wrong. That's, that is violence itself. And so like, I think it's okay to, I like, I would love to be a martyr. I want to be a Christian martyr. Mm, yeah. It's just not my job to get myself killed. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like dying in a, in a war or like an honorable, yeah, you're right. like, yeah, I would, I want to die for this because I believe in it. Yeah. I also don't want to die for, for this because I, yeah. I want to live longer. So right. yeah. yeah. If it happens, you're not afraid of it, Yeah, but you're not actively seeking, seeking it. it and yeah. then, you know, because right. even Jesus escaped because his time has not yet come. Not come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that this was good. Manohar, thanks for joining the podcast. I know Thank tomorrow you. you're going to India. Yeah. So if people listening, be be praying for Manohar while in India. Um, and don't give up his location while he's there. Yeah. Don't, Thank don't you. give up his location. Um. And so, okay. Well, thanks for doing this. Um. If you're listening to this and you like it, make sure you like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Give us a five-star rating, leave a review, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>